In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be here to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. Today is my 51st episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to the previous episodes of my, either on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel. You can download the app, and then you can also tune in using your favorite podcast app. Now, if you missed last week's show, I interviewed Dan McGenna, and we discussed how we can have more abundance with greater ease. Dan offers listeners clear and simple strategies for replacing those dream-dashing limiting beliefs, you know them, to bring you more of what you want in your life. So be sure to check out that episode from July 13th. Now, today, my guest is Ellie Von Planta. Ellie, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm very excited. I'm very European, and I don't know if I can handle it. I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, I know you well, and I know I'm, I'm not worried. <laughs> now, so listeners, you should know that Ellie and I, I'm, Ellie, I'm guessing 18 years we've known each other? I think it's about, it's about that long. I talk to the kids, and you remember you come and did this communication training for my right, family. Right. And they were, you know, with their first partners, and Julia just had come back from Canada. So that's a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, so listeners, <clears throat> I, the first time I met Ellie, we had were, I was giving a workshop. She was a participant. And at the end of the workshop, she walks up to me and she says, I want to buy you for the day. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, I'm for sale. <laughs> do you remember saying that, Ellie? Exactly. And I said, do, do you do families? Yes. And I said, said, I do now. <laughs> I, 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 I never did it, but, you know, let's try. So, I, yeah. I, you know, you came for a weekend and you mm. did it with my kids. Not everyone was up to English, but most of them. Yeah. And, and what and were their ages roughly? Well, in their 20s, early yes. 20s. So they were all pretty much young adults. There were no little no. kids, no teenagers. No, which, no. Mm-hmm. They had partners. They had boyfriends, girlfriends at the mm-hmm. time. In fact, one of the boyfriends even came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was surprised that, that those two guys, my son and him, they were very much into military and very, you know, tough guys. And they not only came, but they opened up so easily and they would come up with their communication problems because this is what we said I said this is Amy and she solved any communication problem <laughs> so this is your chance wow that's quite the endorsement a little, a little nerve-wracking and it's funny how and part of it is a lot of why way let me start again the way I'm showing up impacts directly whether people think they're going to get value even before I've said much you know, so that's in the body language, voice and words, because I showed up with gravitas and confidence. 
they were already unconsciously thinking, okay, maybe this won't be so bad. And then luckily the content followed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That was, that was a pretty fun time. I mean, what you're doing. Yeah, that helps. This is why it's so easy. Yes. Yes. Very true. And that listeners was the weekend that cemented our friendship. I would say Ellie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, last summer, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. He did my grandchildren. <laughs> he started out. I mean, we you know have to improve this because they're still really small. They're little itty bitty kids. Like the oldest is how old? The, the, the oldest was eight at the time, and the youngest was two and a half. Okay, yeah. So the two and a half year old, we just mostly did dance parties together. Yeah, exactly. But that's also communicating, and they knew it was an issue. They, you know, you talk to them and how to behave and how to handle emotions and that was the you know the the entrance into this world yeah and then we also I used a puppet for uh, I can't remember what that guy's name was maybe one of your grandchildren will remember uh, for as sort of like a main character of the show (laughs) (laughs) this is well the point is it's all about communication and you as a pro well thanks Ellie So listeners, I want to tell you more about Ellie now. I'm going to give you some background because it's going to be very pertinent to what Ellie and I are going to be talking about. Ellie was born in Germany in 1949. In 1971, she married a Swiss man. She has four amazing children. Now, Ellie, I have to ask about this because in my notes, I have divorced between 1984 and 1981. Does that mean that it took that long to get the divorce? Yeah, my, my husband walked out on, on me or the family when Julia was four, wow. my youngest, and Philip was 11. Hmm. And then it took some, finally he, he filed in the divorce and, uh, and I didn't want to get divorced because I thought, well, no much use with kids and everything. And that, so it took seven years that finally the divorce came through. So wow. that was, and I, I really don't know how I handled that, but I did. And yeah. you, you do things like that. And at the same time, not this, well, at the same time, a couple of years, he left 84 and I went to law school 88. This is when Julia was eight. Okay. So it took you four years. So let's back up a minute because I remember you once were explaining how your plan, the big, big game plan was be a mom. You yeah. had no intention of working outside the home. Not when I, you know, started out. I was a very traditional, conventional farmer's daughter who thought of doing the same thing as the, her parents did. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing up children, backing up your husband, making a career. Um, and I thought housewife and mother was a profession. Well, it, it was and it is. Well, it just doesn't get acknowledged. It, that's the point. And and on the farm, you don't realize it because you know women work with the men. It's you know, and and it's not an office work. It's sort of a family work. Mm-hmm. So and and I married to a city, and he was a lawyer, and uh, so that was a different life. But I still thought I. You know, I'd be a mother and housewife, and that's important right. enough. And yeah, yeah, and a hostess. And yes, you're. Oh God, you're. She's a great hostess. If you ever get to visit Ellie, my goodness, people, you were going to be in for a treat. So, um, Ellie. So now, eighty four. The 
divorce process started, 88, you went to law school. So in that four-year period, what transformations were happening in your mind for you to choose that path? I mean, first of all, it was a disaster for me. You know, my world fell into pieces. I couldn't believe what it was happening to me. I thought, you know, I die. You, you're, so, you're so shocked. You, you, you think you'd, you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and you're dead. Wow. So it's not that easy. You don't die away from four children. And then what you think is you have to uh, keep it up and you have to um, uh, get your, you, you have to, to, to deliver security for those whom you're responsible for. Yeah. That's those were the kids. This is where my interest in leadership comes from because this is what leadership is all about. You know, mm-hmm. keeping the people you're responsible for safe. Yeah, alive. Happy. And I had no decent education. I mean, these days women do, but I hadn't. So I, and I was too young and my children were too old that I could count on a allowance from that husband. Mm -hmm. So I needed to get myself an education. Mm -hmm. I had to earn my own money. Mm -hmm. So this is when I decided to go to law school. That was quite a process, but um, they said you should have had Latin at school. Say it again? You should have had Latin at school. At the time (laughs) being, Latin was compulsory at a Swiss university when you wanted to study law. Oh, my gosh. Because of the Roman law. You know, you you learn Roman law, which is very interesting, by the way. So this is when I studied law. Mm. The first couple of months, I didn't understand a thing. And then I, I became a believer. I think the, the legal system is, is the system that keeps countries in peace. And this is what it's for. Mm-hmm. People want to know the rules and, and, and you know, procedures. And the, it's another, another way of feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where you yeah. can go and when you know this, these laws are applied and these laws came about in a process that is controlled and you have the different parts of the state that control each other. Um, and maybe I'm a, I'm a security person. I don't know. I never thought about it, that these things are so important to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So let's um, take it from there. So you got your degree in 92, you finished 92. Then you started at UBS and in 94, I started. Um, I started at Bank Fine and then the Swiss Bank Corporation, and went through the merger. This oh, merger I see. Of those two banks at the time. Uh, the point was, if I, you know, may say that, yeah. that I was able to go to law school and bring up these four children, had to do with the fact that yeah. I came across. Um, well, people call it psychology. I call it philosophy of Alfred Adler and his individual psychology. And your listeners, one or the other, might have had heard of him. Okay, so let's let's assume people haven't, because I always love hearing this. And this started in after you started full time. You then started studying to become a counselor of psychology at the Adlerian. Well, Institute. the thing is, the thing is, I 
when 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 the marriage broke off, what you very often have here of one of the children that's the identified patient. They, you know, they they sort of mess up a bit in school or whatever because hmm. they this this trouble is not good for them. They're so carrying I ended up it with with one of my sons at the children's psychologist, psychiatrist actually, and she was an Adlerian. Okay, and she introduced me to this Adlerian theory and more so praxis, practice, and took me to the summer schools that they had. And that really changed my life because I, I could, I had a toolbox where I could motivate and trust my children while I was at law school and they did their work. And this, this was really the, the turning point in my life. So Adler comes in much earlier and this is when I got interested in all these you know, human okay. behavior and I how see. do you how do you motivate people? How do you talk to children? How do you not force them but motivate them to to be to be uh, constructive instead of destructive and all that? Wow! And so um, let's take more time to talk about the. So now I'm understanding better. It wasn't. You got you did your counseling degree in '96, though you had been using it and studying it and exposed to it much earlier. Exactly, I was mm-hmm. practicing it right in your after family. I finished law school. I mean, mm-hmm. I, but I always say I only could do law school because I had this Adlerian toolbox. Wow! Then I finished law school. I started working, and while I was working, everyone did some educational things and you know mm-hmm. things to to be promoted, whatever. And I said, can I go to Adler School? Oh, cool. And, and it was a bit difficult in the bank, but I said, I don't want to do um, taxes and I don't want to do insurance. Can I do psychology? And it was a bit difficult, but I I, finally they let me do it. But this <gasps> well is my Adler School in Zurich for three okay. years. Yes, okay. 96 to 99. Okay, so if you're explaining Adler you to someone who doesn't know, it's not familiar with it, what else would you tell them about it? Adler is a contemporary of Freud. Okay. And Sigmund Freud, everyone knows. Right. Freud was a person who said that a, that that an individual is sort of is 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 built of different parts. There is the ego, there is the it, there is the overego, and hmm. they are in fights and and we got traumas from being educated and being brought up. And uh, so this is what he was concerned with. And a lot with sex, by the way. Yes. With cells, well, this is why it was <laughs> Freud. And uh, uh, on, the, on the other side, wasn't interested uh, in the people on the couch, but he said, what do we need to do that they don't end up on the couch. So Hmm. how do we bring up children? What is their belief system? What's coming out of their belief system? And this belief system is built the way you come into the family. So firstborns are different from lastborns. And um, he says we are individuals. This is why it's called um, individual psychology. We can't be divided up. The way uh-huh. we dance is the way we cook, is the way we drive cars, and is the way we make love. We're just one person, and we can't divide it up. And um, the other thing he says, that we have creative forces, 
So you children and people want to be better. You want to come from the minus to the plus. And this is a, a constant drive. And uh, the other thing is that you, at the time, he was very uh, uh, concerned with this, with this um, drive to power. And he said, and I think it's, it's where, where he would meet you because you have this ego tango. Mm-hmm. Isn't that your book? The ego tango is about the partner mindset. And my sister Pat developed the partner, pray-to-pray partner model. Yeah, and this is the partner, but but uh, what Adler was talking about when it comes to power, you have this upmanship and downmanship, right. and you have this infer- inferior feelings. You want to compensate, and then you put other people down because you feel so lousy. Yeah. And all these things um, are, are, are wrapped up in, in a very practical, positive, future-orientated um, philosophy. Wow. You know, I'd never heard you describe it to that level of um, applicability. I, and, and I can see why it's so appealing to you. And it's very appealing to me. And I remember early on when we're getting to know each other and you said, um, Amy, how many kids are in your family? I said, seven. You said, and where are you? And I said, oh, I'm the youngest girl. And you, it was, you just sort of just not like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, um, what was it that gave you those clues? Uh, the, the thing is that what I just said, that we have a perception when we come into life. Yeah. And obviously even babies can feel it if yeah. there are lots of siblings before them or if mm. you're the first one. Okay. So, so the way you perceive the world when you come into it makes an effect on you. Yeah. I was a firstborn. Okay. So the firstborns have to deal with nervous parents. Right. Because parents never did this before. The other thing is that you have to live up to this example that you never, ever reach because they are parents. A second born has an older brother. And even if he's five year older, you might catch up. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have a chance at least. Mm. So also you're always responsible for the little siblings. So this yep. is why you, why I'm so bossy and I just make sure everything's okay because, you know, the oldest one always get, get in trouble trouble when they, when they, when they couldn't, you have seen, you know, the yeah. little ones, the little ones can't do it. You're yeah, the yeah. little one. You're the one who says there's always someone looking after everything. Yeah. I, I have to be charming because all the positions are taken. <laughs> There's the first one being good at school, the second is good at sports, the third has another topic, and the last one says, you know, I'm charming, and please t- t- take me along. <laughs> Will you please take me along? And this makes you so easygoing because you say, that's the, it's about belonging. Yes. You know, you want to belong, and right. you need to have a place. And this is what you learn as a child, and you pretty much Work on those belief systems when in your in your adult life. And you can tell, and I can tell by now, when I come into a team or something, that there are those firstborns or only children, and they like yeah. me, and they just want to, you know, have direction with everything. Yeah. And then they're the laid-back youngest and say, okay, you know, tell me when you've finished all your decisions. And they are, I always say they are the oil in every machine. Hmm. 
So That's you fascinating. are one of those. And, you know, they get away with murder. Oh, my gosh. That is so true. Yeah, I, my sister, you know, she shakes her head sometimes. I can't believe, it. you know, she, the, the oldest of the whole tribe, um, it says exactly what you said, you know, that the pressure and stress of, oh, my God, if somebody dies on my watch, kind of feeling that sense of responsibility, being a child exactly. responsible for other children. And uh, she said once, as an adult, she said, I, I can't believe that. And she sets up the situation that you did this and this and this. And mom was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, this this is true. You know, parents are worn out yeah. you know, by, by number four. And they are the the big ones who, who educate those little ones. Yeah. So they, they, they're not as nervous anymore. It's, right. And this is, this is what's interesting to know about. This, we, we look at the world. We looked at it when we were children. And we keep it. And when it comes in a way... You know, this is not always fun. I mean, being like only charming might not be enough. And right. sometimes you have to perform and then, oops, what do I do? Right. Or me being so bossy and so uh, uh, directive and, and everything, you know, people don't like you and you don't mm. like what people don't like you. You, you right. might have to adjust. Mm-hmm. The thing is that when you get conscious about these drivers, um then you can handle them. And what I always say, you just need to get the stress out of your life because when you're under stress, you get back into the old uh, cluster patterns. Patterns, exactly. And that's what the work I do. Um, you, I know you, Luna, Ellie, so it's more for the listeners, is I help people to maintain that sweet spot of partner under stress. Yeah. And even That's to learn point. to do things where the stress, it can actually reduce the stress yeah. sometimes. Yeah. 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 So very rewarding. Well, you know, listeners, as you, you can imagine, Ellie, um, she's a mover. She's a shaker. And uh, no surprise to discover that after a certain point, she decided she wasn't busy enough. And she went off and got an MBA degree at the University of Zurich. That was in 2005. So, Ellie, I'm curious to know what major economic degree so enlightening because I hear I've heard you say that in the past you know it was kind of a I always call it an MBA light it was a nine-month program for professionals um, and I only wanted to do it because I had this Adlerian training I had my mother training and I was working in a bank and it sort of didn't fit together you know the, oh. the rules in the corporate world and the rules in my family life and the goals that were to be achieved were so different that I wanted to know more. Okay. And that really did it. I mean, I learned a lot about the corporate world and on what rules and regulations they run compared to the social world. And how would you say what is the difference? Well, this, the economic world is all about money and value. And the social world is only about values. It's about mm. it's a it's a it's about the real worth of life. It's not money that much. I mean, money is important, but in the as much the corporate world is talking about, you know, all their responsibility and and and, and corporate citizenship and this and that and the other. At the end of the day, it's the money, mm-hmm. and this is also corrupting at times. 
yeah bonuses and and and, and mm. being incentivized for doing things that might not help society but only this very corporate so that yes yeah, so they contradict each other at times yeah. right yeah. sure that yeah. makes sense and you described once the difference the male factor versus the female factor yeah well i think this and this is this is no judgment this is just a statement i want to emphasize okay. this the the way we we are socialized or we're socialized over the last thousands of years where mm-hmm. the males did the the war business and the right. women did not the war business and i think these days it's the corporate world is very much this com- competitive environment very much resembles a war like environment um and this is what's not good for society and it's not good for families there you need to have other values there you need to 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 not to be selfish not to be too fast you have to wait for those who you know can't mm. keep up mm-hmm. and um this is what what makes the difference really and then for you i remember you saying something about women it's the focus is as you said family you know you know my you you mean my 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 uh my pink what do i always say my my pink um issues the pink issues the pink issues yes it's family food furniture and fashion family food furniture and fashion and you know and feelings you said it's a bigger picture you know food means nutrition means right. health, means lots of things furniture means home being homely having a place you know making it up Uh, yeah giving you a nest yeah yeah you know all all these things it's just put into these words but and family family is always the most important for the the, the women and the i always say it's the i and the dot yeah. is for women the work and for men the i mm-hmm. the stem is work for men and the dot is the family so mm-hmm. it's it's the other way around and we're going to take a break in just a second though one of the last things i remember you said about that the pink issues was also feelings and i want us to pick up on that later and when we come back from oh, the yes. break oh yes yes please that's good. my favorite topic okay good so listeners you can connect with and find out more about ellie by emailing her directly and her gmail address is e v o n p l a n t a at @gmail.com And also listeners on another note if you are ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade join me for one of my online leadership present course presence courses you'll be able to find details on my website carolcoaching.com when we come back from the break we'll be hearing more from Ellie so stay tuned you're listening to partner up with Amy Carol on the Voice America Business Channel become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com/voiceamerica Do you have colleagues, family members or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theater as well as Amy's favorite mantra 
For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. My guest today is Ellie Von Planta, a woman with a law degree, an MBA in economics, and a counselor in Adlerian, we say theory. Psychology, yeah. Psychology. And we've been discussing what her take is on leadership. So now I want to move to into more detail. You've mentioned to me that you really entered, if people did the math, they'd figure out that you really entered the professional world after the age of 40. So I'm curious to know, and I suspect you have lots of stories you can share what it was like to start your professional life at that age. Yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing because you, you know, there were all those young people, all my bosses were younger than me. And um, when I came to the working world, people asked me what I had done so far. So what could I offer? I had brought up four children or was still bringing up children and uh, had just left law school. I mean, what kind of CV is that? So I said, I'm a leadership specialist. <laughs> and they said, oh, interesting. Uh, so what did you? I said, I ran a family business. Oh, yeah. Well, I said, literally, <laughs> I was l- low budget, high vision. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, they were very sympathetic. I said, yeah, well, with one speciality, my people, half of them couldn't read and write. <laughs> and all of them I couldn't fire. That you couldn't fire. <laughs> I couldn't fire them. Uh, so this is when they finally got, I said, the family business was my family. <laughs> and, and it was the time when I was thinking about that leading a family is pretty much as, as res- a, a responsible job and a, a challenging job and an important job as, you know, where these guys were telling me about leadership and I was asking, you know, what do you do? You, 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 you just want numbers. What is your leadership all about? Mm-hmm. So um, when I when I entered the the workforce, I was very much comparing how I had run my business and how the business was run in the working world. Wow! And you had lots of fabulous people and also very good leaders. 
Mm-hmm. But you had those who weren't that gifted, to put it mildly. <laughs> and um, uh, and this is when I was thinking about a lot of leadership. Besides, um, I don't know how this came about, but I think it had to do with the fact that my ex-husband had been in the Swiss military service, which is very special because it's a militia army. They don't have a professional army. Um, People are well, drafted. I- even in high ranks. I don't, I don't understand the difference. The, you have a professional army where people, where you have an army and people are, it's their profession to be in the army. Okay. Oh, I see. If you ask them, what's your profession? I'm in the Full army. Full time. I see. I'm a, a, a colonel or whatever. Got it. And in Switzerland, the, the uh, men are, dra- are drafted and then you go through a period where you go up in the ranks. And then you go home again and or drive your bus or teach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and he he was very much into that. And he got um, for his promotions, uh, uh, an uncle gave him all these books about about the military and leading. And the, 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 really the most interesting one I, re- I read them and he didn't. <laughs> was about lead it was um about leadership from uh, sir john hackett and he used to be the nato general and there was a chapter about leadership and that was so striking and this is when i you know really got into it what is it that they do in the military because leadership is always about hierarchy mm-hmm. it's always about an up and down yeah and below and and still, you have to, and the other thing about leadership is about trust and, um, and respect. Yep. How do you go about trust and respect in a hierarchical situation? Mm-hmm. You have to be credible at all times. Yeah. And um, so that they can trust you when it's really, when it's really getting tough. So there's a story from my family where I was out with my children and one of the boys wanted to tell a story to the people when we we were invited. And I shot a glance because I didn't want him to tell that story. Uh So he was a little irritated and then he changed the subject, which I thought was kind of leadership. He trusted me said, oh, yeah. I better don't go on. Yeah. The, the, that was one of the good news. The next good news was we came home and all the kids were on me saying, what was this all about? Why wasn't he supposed to say something? What, you know, what is it? So I had to explain why I didn't want this to be discussed. You know, mm-hmm. so, and the way you explained it, you had to make sure that it didn't damage the trust and loyalty and instead reinforced that um, here's my rationale, here's why it's a good rationale, and therefore in the future, you'll get that, continue well, to get thing, that. Ex- the thing is, it functioned. You know, I didn't have to say much. I had to raise an eyebrow, and it worked. And this is what I think is trust and credibility. Right, you know I'm saying? And, and for the next time, because they demanded you explain yourself, you had to make sure that that explanation held, held water so that that raised eyebrow would continue to work. Not only that, but that they can ask questions, that they yeah. don't have to obey. Yep. They can come back to me and say, what was this all about? Yeah, they can challenge so the leader. Is, this is, maybe this is 
the difference between leadership some 50 or 100 years ago, where you wouldn't be able to ask these questions, and I don't know how, it, how it's in, in the military or in the corporate world now, how you could go back and say, listen, could you explain this to me? Right. Say, you better follow orders. Uh, I'm not here to explain anything. But mm -hmm. with children, and this is where this comparison comes from, you have to make sure that they understand, that they learn. And, um, and this is the other thing about trust and respect of felt values. This is something you can't buy. This is something you, you hardly can measure. I mean, you can measure the results. Or you, and this is, again, a feeling, yeah. you know, if it works or not. And this is where the feelings come in that are so important when it comes to leadership. It's a hierarchical system. Mm -hmm. So there is someone above. Um, the people below you depend on you. So this makes them vulnerable. Yep. So as a leader, you should never, ever hurt them. This is the most important thing. And the damage is exactly. huge. Yeah. And this, and, and as a parent, of course, you're particularly motivated because you don't want to hurt your children. Mm -hmm. In the corporate world, I'm not so sure. Yeah. So, um, this this is this is my 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 view on those different parts where leadership comes in and the military example where it's about life and death finally to 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 train people to have the whole organization running the right way not to have victims uh, um, um, how do you say that irresponsibly or something Mm -hmm. This is so important. And that taught me a lot because their responsibility and trust is so very important right. that you never be left alone, that you're always going to be looked after. Yeah. There is, by the way, there is this Simon Sinek. He is the leadership specialist in the States. Yeah. And he talks a lot about it. Yeah. And they say, uh, he says that, that in military, they give medals to people who are courageous and, you know, help other people. And in in uh, in corp in the corporate world, they give bonuses to people who sack people and you know make them unemployed. Yeah, so and I I just heard something. I read something on LinkedIn literally yesterday from him. Let me see if I can remember. Um, leadership. Nope, not coming to me. I I think I even made a note of it somewhere to share it with you, and I don't see it in my notes. What a bummer. Um, Leadership it, is the management of fear, Sir Hackett says. Yes. It's the management of fear. Yes. Because when you are in, in, in a, in a warlike situation, there is fear and you need to manage it somehow. When yeah. you bring up children who, who don't understand things, it's also the management of fear. And you have to know yourself very well so that you don't get carried away by your own fears to make sure that you always the one the others can rely to mm -hmm. yeah. and depend on. And so with all of this, um, these connections you were making and the insights, um, I'm curious to know maybe some more examples of how you personally applied it in your professional life and then back within the family. Um, 
Can I come back to to this Adlerian yeah. theory? The, the, and this is what the Americans are good at. They, of course, they wrapped it up in a way that uh, it's very easy to understand. Um, to to make people, um, how, how would you say that, function well or feel well or contribute and and be nice people to be around and also perform um, uh, the successor or one of the successors came up with the idea of the crucial seas. He says that the basic needs of people and the basic needs of people have to be met. Okay. And he started with the belonging. The, 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 the most, the strongest need of people is to belong. And as we said, it has to do with what we experienced uh, when we were little. Yeah. So when I'm always the troublemaker, I believe making trouble is the way I belong, uh -huh. my role. And if I think I'm the charming one, then I'm going on being charming. Mm. And if I think I'm the responsible one, and I'm, it's always my task to look after everything, then I go on with that. This is how we learn belonging. It also, of course, has to do with where we come from, our families, our backgrounds. This is where we belong. And sometimes people decide, oh, this is not where I want to belong to. And then they yeah. choose other Uh, uh, communities where they want to belong. But this belonging is very crucial. Um, and that's, that's what the, what C is belonging. Is that connection? Connect. Exactly. To connect. connect. Okay. Uh, the crucial C is this connect, belonging, capability, or cap being capable. That has to do with responsibility. This is when mm -hmm. you have children. They want to be independent. You want to be in control of your life to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And when you're not, when you're not, uh, uh, can act to your to your, to to your talents, to what you're able to do. Um, look at your children when they are either forced to do something that they are not up to yet, right? Or when they when they're not allowed to do things they can do, right? This is when you get into a power fight uh -huh. with children. This is when you know when when your child will tell you, "I'll show you." Yep. You know that I'm capable. I'm the boss, so I can do it. And then there's the count. You, this is the respect part. This is you want to be um, of value. You want to be um, um, yes, seen you want and to count. recognized. You want to be, um, um, how do you say that? Um, ah, it was the word. You want, e you want equality. To, It, it respect. Has, respect has to do with equality. That's, mm -hmm. that's very true. And it has to be, I want to count. I want that people see. Contribute. Con, yeah, you contribute. And you you want, the world wouldn't be as good as it is without me. This <laughs> feeling that goes with it when you yeah. count. Yeah. And, and sense courage. of pride and, and, yeah. um, and, and offering and value. Courage is that I can handle what comes. That's the feeling of I trust myself, I can do it. And these are the crucial C's. And Adler, since he's so much into the social interest and he, he's into society, how does society work and with, with what kind of people does it work? If all these basic needs, this belonging, the responsibility, the respect, the self-worth is met, this is when you 
feel that you're part of society, you contribute to society, you belong to something, and you only can contribute when you know what for. And um, this is the social interest. And this is, in my view, very opposed to the economic interest, where there is the, the, the money, the status, the hierarchy, the, the profit, um, is the most important. And so the, the social values are not that much important. They say, look, we, we, we pay a lot of taxes and this is where you can pay your, you know, all the social um, needs. Yeah. The state, for instance. But within the companies itself, mm -hmm. it's at the end of the day is you have to meet your financial targets, which is true. I mean, if a company can't exist, if it doesn't of course. have money. So, Ellie, would you agree that that's beginning to change in the sense that companies are starting to recognize that there is this these basic needs that people will not feel fulfilled they won't be willing to ha make a, a, a further commitment, do what's necessary for the company to be successful if they don't feel like in turn that they're counting, that they're feeling there's a sense of belonging, respect. Look, one-to-one, -one, everyone, everyone I met in the corporate world, very high up, are not different from you and me. Right. They want for their children exactly what I want. They they know what values are. They, right. they they don't want to do lots of things they say they have to do. I have no choice. What's difficult in those big corporates or any big institutions is the system. The the system is then stronger than the single person. You asked if it's changing. Well, I think we do have in this political world where things get very unstable and, you know, there's very little security and safety, particularly in the, in the uh, corporate world. Um, there are more and more, first of all, there are more and more women. Second, there are more and more men who are fathers and see, you know, see the difference. When I was at the company, it was still a pretty schizophrenic uh, environment. You know, when it came to the business talk, they were talking like, you know, we have to fire 4,000 people and, yeah, we do it, you know, decently. And, yeah, but finally those people lost their jobs and they went home and they were like you and me. I mean, it was, it's a devastating. Problem. They wouldn't want these kind happen to their kids or so the, the, when you're in a system in any system like when you are in i don't know north korea or when you are in you know some some uh, states where there's no democracy where you can't uh, speak openly you also in different you don't want all that but the masses go along with it they don't speak up that's about courage people if courage was easy, everyone would be correct. Right, right. And there, there is, um, and I think there is a change, of course, because there's also pressure on those companies. It has to do with the environmental questions, with uh, equality when it comes to women. 
Although just the other night when I had a couple of girlfriends over and we worked together at the bank where I worked and they said there's still lots of things don't change. And I think banks are a bad example. I mean, big banks, it's it's very male. It's very um, old fashioned, very mm -hmm. 19th century. The guys really don't want to, you know, arrive in the 21st century. But, you know, these things happen very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. Social things, social changes. Imagine how long it took from the French Revolution until they introduced the Republic in France. 80 years. Wow. Two more emperors, two, one more king. 80 mm -hmm. years until it was a republic and there was a French Revolution who killed the king and said, we are in a republic. Took another 80 years. Yeah. So these things, I mean, maybe we don't have that much time. So things might be faster these days, but mm -hmm. uh, social things are very difficult to change. So I'm curious, though, to know if you have, you know, you've given a lot of insights, made the connections from your own experience. What is your what do you take with you from all this experience you've had that you think other people can benefit from? I think the, what leadership should be today, first of all, we need leadership. We need people to lead. E even democracy and democratic processes need to be led. Okay. That's one thing. The other thing is you can't come up like authoritarian like we did in the past. You have, like I explained to my children what I was doing and why I was doing it. You have to have people participate. And I, this is what I learned from Adler. When I was here with my four little children, I had to go to law school. I had to do menu plans. I had to do the shopping. I, we had to prepare. I mean, this was run like a military camp, I can tell you. And the big ones had to look after the homework of the little ones. And everyone, there was a, a flower chief and the chief of the fireplace. And there was a chief of, you know, they all had their things to do. Um, uh, so, and it has to be led, but we would sit together and Cyril said, I'm tired of being the flower chef. <laughs> or Julia was chef of compost. She had to get, said, I, I hate to get the compost out. And then they didn't like to, didn't like to unload the dishwasher when it was, when it was clean. And we decided we don't use the dishwasher anymore because it was always full of clean stuff and someone had to unload it. And obviously it was something awful. No one wanted to do it. <laughs> we saved all the, all the China, all everything. And we do the dishes together at night. And it was fun because we were talking. Wow. To so, and this is, and Nikki at one point told me, you know, don't rearrange the kitchen without telling us, <laughs> we, you know, if the glasses are close enough now to the fridge, <laughs> if you change something, we need to know. So belonging has a lot to do with this rules and regulations and that people are informed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Participation is takes a long time because there are those who are very slow. Managers, leaders don't like that. They are usually they fast. Mm -hmm. um, and I think to include everyone and to hear everyone out 
that's the most important thing. And I'm not that good at it. And I love that you, you see that you're aware of it. And it's something that maybe it sounds like you're willing to get even better at because one of the things I work on with clients is, you know, dare to ask for the feedback. Doesn't mean you have to implement it, just ask for it and then consider it. And if you decide to do it or not, let them, the person know either way, because you want to keep that loop going forward. And Nikki once said to his little brother, um, you know, when you want something from, be particularly polite. (laughs) You need to criticize someone. People don't like criticism. Be particularly polite. And I would yell at my kids. And Cyril said to Nikki, you know what? She doesn't mean us. It just needs to get out of her. So I had so well-meaning sweet. kids. Wow. Yeah. And generous. They, they made up positive stories about things. Yeah. So Ellie, we have got to wrap up. And uh, this has been an absolute delight for me. In 20 seconds or less, do you, I mean, you've given you, I think for me, that's the call for action you just mentioned about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you Beautiful. have to train it. It's really, yes. really difficult. You know, parents should have meetings with their children. You did, do, you, I said to my children, I decide when it's my, when I have to take the consequences. You decide when you can take the consequences. Right. And, you know, it's, it's really hard. Ellie, I love that you shared this. And I suspect that you've put a fire under some listeners. So listeners, if you want to get in touch with Ellie, you want to connect with her, remember you can reach out to her on her Gmail. E-V-O-N-P-L-A-N-T-A at gmail.com. Listeners, be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next week when I'll be talking with my social media gal and sidekick, Talitha V. We're going to be reviewing the book, The 10 Strategies that Reshma Sojani Reveals in her book, Brave Not Perfect. And feel free to check out my website for more information, carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's. Or feel free to reach out to me on my social media channels, Amy Carroll Coaching. Lastly, if you're game for more, I'm going to be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat on today's call. Ellie, thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm very proud. (laughs) And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.